welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction This podcast is part of the module called TALC, Effective Methods for Teaching Consultation Skills. And in this particular chapter, we're going to be talking about the issue, feedback makes perfect, but practice makes permanent. In other words, how to make skills rehearsals effective. Now in the sporting world, a coach structures practice with drills to increase speed or skills. Musicians practice their scales and in the kitchen chefs work on their knife techniques. Can we use these approaches when we're helping people to learn about consultation skills? I think we can. Dan Hodgkins apparently said, you cannot learn to be safe by avoiding risks. But there are of course risks to practicing new skills in real consultations. Patients are involved there and we want to do our best for them. So we have to think about ways to practice skills in ways that don't put patients at risk. Consulting effectively with patients is a complex psychomotor skill. Consulting involves thinking, feeling, assessing, and it also requires the body to be used skillfully, choosing our tone of voice, body position, speed and content of speech, our gestures. Practicing the consultation by seeing lots of patients, getting feedback and reflecting on what can be improved is undoubtedly the key to development. I think development is a better word than success in this context because improving consultation skills needs to happen through any clinician's whole professional life. However, just as an artistic performance or a football match is the end result of all kinds of practice and development, an effective consultation is also the result of many different kinds of preparation and practice. So what kinds of practice can help? Clinicians are often a bit fearful about doing role play and may resent being asked to do it. Role play can be challenging and it still remains a great technique for practicing really complex skill sets, such as shared decision-making. And the details of how to do that are covered elsewhere in this module, in the chapter called Effective Methods for Teaching Consultation Skills, Can We All Learn to Love Role Play? However, there is a stripped-back, simpler approach called skills rehearsal. This is easier and quicker to do than role play, but it still allows the practice of new skills in a safe environment, i.e. away from patients who can't be harmed by any early experiments with new techniques. In a skills rehearsal, one specific skill is chosen to be practiced. This can often feel quite awkward or stilted at first, which is entirely to be expected. Trying new things usually feels odd and uncomfortable, and doing things out of context often feels stilted and a bit weird. The point is that developing consulting skills means we have to change what we're already doing in consultations and try new things out. The educator can encourage the clinician who is trying to improve their skills to try out new skills during a tutorial or group session so that the discomfort of trying something new is felt in a less challenging environment than a consultation. This is so that when the participant tries out the new skill in a consultation, they will already have some familiarity with it And this means the skill is more likely to be used effectively in real time with a patient. Skills rehearsals can actually also be very brief. They have a narrow focus. 
looking at the specific stages and components of a skill at a particular aspect of the consultation. Using tried and tested techniques for specific purposes can mean that the exchange is often only a few sentences long. This is so that the learner can focus on the specifics of the new skill and get instant and direct feedback about using it. Doing skills rehearsal away from patients also allows clinicians to develop their own styles and ways of saying things. The consultation skills described in all these talent modules are tools, not rules, as Julian Tomkinson likes to say. And every clinician will have a slightly different way of saying things. For example, the Calgary Cambridge Guide summarises one skill as number 44, provides opportunities and encourages the patient to ask questions, to contribute, to seek clarification or express his doubts. The clinician responds appropriately. But here are all different versions of the skill of inviting the patient's contribution and ensuring there is a proper opportunity to ask questions. The clinician could say, what questions have you got now? They could say, now it's your turn to ask me questions. They could say, everyone has some questions about their treatment. What are your own questions at this point? These are not closed questions and can't be answered with a simple yes or no. Throughout the TALC resources, there are examples of skills rehearsals which educators can readily adapt for their own purposes. The learning by doing of a skills rehearsal approach offers a more rapid development while retaining the individuality of each clinician. So working one-to-one, -one, perhaps in a tutorial or something similar, the educator must precede any skills rehearsal with a careful selection of the skill to be practised. This means that the skill is matched to the immediate learning needs of the specific clinician they're working with. This could happen after a live or recorded consultation, after giving feedback and making an assessment. Then the educator could decide with the learner which skill to practise. Another approach with the agreement of the learner is that the educator might choose to work systematically th through groups of skills to explore. So, for example, the educator might decide to explore the skills of gathering information about a patient's main concerns or the skills involved in assessing the patient's starting point prior to an explanation. In a one-to-one -one situation, it's often best to let the observed consultation drive the selection of the skill. The learner must have got to the point where they recognise that there was a problem and that they understand which skill needs they need to develop next. They also need to be willing to have a go in a tutorial situation. The educator has to do this in the context of a supportive and honest ongoing relationship and the educator needs to have some ideas about how to teach the skill in question. What I'm going to describe here is the general principle of using a skills rehearsal which is one form of experiential learning method. There are always three components to experiential methods like skills rehearsals. First of all, the setup, then the skills rehearsal or the experience, and finally the debriefing afterwards. All three are essential. It's important to set up the rehearsal by saying exactly which skills are to be practiced, how the rehearsal will start and finish, and it can be helpful to move chairs away slightly to, to show that perhaps this is an arrangement like a consultation or that when the chairs are arranged in a particular place that means the skill rehearsal is happening. It should always be clear who is going to start. Then the skill is practised. Then afterwards there must be a debrief. This is time allowed to analyse what happened, to reflect on what worked, how it was done 
and to decide how to do things even better next time in real consultations. Here is an example of what one clinician has said to a patient with shingles, and this could be the trigger to the setup. So in a recording, something like this. OK, so examining you, it's a problem called shingles, caused by the herpes zoster chickenpox virus, and it's very painful, lasts for a few weeks. We can treat you with antiviral tablets because it's only on your arm and doesn't involve your eyes and also you are immunocompetent. So take acyclovir, 800 milligram tablets, five times a day for seven days spread through the day. I'll also give you some painkillers, wear loose clothes, shower every day to get rid of the scabs and if things don't settle down quickly, we'll consider using something for the neuropathic pain that can happen. In this example, the clinician is hardly drawing breath. The patient is being bombarded with information laced with jargon. And there are several skills which could be used to improve this part of the consultation. And part of the setup is to agree with the clinician as to which skills would be useful to address in a skills rehearsal. The obvious choices could be some of these. Firstly, avoiding jargon and using plain English. Secondly, modifying the approach to the explanation to include establishing what the patient already knows about shingles and then using the skill of chunking and checking, using the patient's response as to how to proceed. These skills are mapped to the Calgary-Cambridge skills. A simple skills rehearsal could focus on two things, beginning with assessing the patient's prior knowledge about shingles and secondly avoiding jargon. If the clinician already has a good insight into these skills and maybe just, as it were, forgot to use them, the educator could concentrate on the skills of chunking and checking, particularly assessing the patient's response to the information given. So the educator should explain that the beginning of the skills rehearsal will be when the person playing the clinician's role says, this rash looks like shingles. What do you know already about that? The educator could then model a number of responses to this, including something like, never heard of it, or, well, I know that if you get shingles on both sides and it meets up in the middle of your chest, it can kill you, or, oh no, not again, I had it twice last year, why does it keep coming back? The debriefing is the crucial part. The educator and the clinician can analyse what happened and think about what worked well, and then reflect how the skills could be used in future. How could those different responses from a patient require different approaches from the clinician? What approaches could these be? The educator could point out that the last statement, which does express the patient's concern about the shingles keeping on coming back, also includes some very important clinical information. The underlying reasons for recurrent shingles need to be considered as well. A simple skills rehearsal like this may be enough to generate helpful discussions and quite a lot of learning in a single session. The educator can reinforce this by asking the clinician to try assessing prior knowledge early in any explanation process and report back on what happens. And the educator can follow up this kind of thing at the next training session to celebrate success and discover and correct any difficulties. Working on skills incrementally in this way is the most useful way forward learning one assimilatable skill at a time makes it more likely that the skill will become embedded in practice. The different modules in the TAC resources and the different chapters in each resource all have detailed ideas about how to teach the skills in question. The written materials that go with this chapter also include details about how to do skills rehearsals with groups of people rather than just individuals 
also has some written references and resources and also has some ideas for trigger situations that could highlight the need for skills to be taught. So these are things that trainees could analyse. And there are some examples of skills rehearsals which you can use as well. We hope you enjoy these TALC resources for teaching effective consultation skills. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.